step into the world of advertising with FjorgeCast, predicting the most important trends in the advertising industry. Host Tim Barsness dishes on the latest developments within the advertising realm. Tune into the FjorgeCast to receive insider tips and advice from experts within the advertising industry. FjorgeCast is your first stop in hearing about the unique opportunities and challenges advertisers face today. Cranberry Radio is proud to present FjorgeCast with your host, Tim Barsness. Thanks for joining us on FjorgeCast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjorge. And today in our show, we will be talking with Jeff Sui about his marketing agency, ModOp. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Tim. So, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about ModOp? Sure. We're an agency. We started a little over six years ago, uh, native digital agency. So we really started in response to what we thought, what we observed in the market that uh, a lot of the traditional agencies were behind the curve and understanding some of the emerging uh, channels like mobile and social and the various platforms. So really our our vision was to to make sure that that was the epicenter of our discipline and really how to bring that to our clients. Got it. So ModOps started about six years ago. What does it look like today? We're about 130 staff with uh, five offices. We have an office in Portland, New York, Miami, uh, Panama City, Panama, and then we have our headquarters here in Los Angeles. That's incredible growth. What was the key to um, to growing at such a, uh, a fast clip? Well, I have several partners, and we all have various relationships from uh, our our life in in, uh, in advertising and in other fields. So I think we really kind of hit the ground running with a number of uh, key clients. Uh, I have a partner that's a uh, big in the gaming space, so he brought over Electronic Arts and Sony PlayStation and uh, other clients as well. So we've we've just uh, we've we've had a lot of um, great fortune, I think, as well. We've had the right, I think, a lot of the right ideas at the right time as a lot of our clients have evolved in, in how they want to reach their consumers. So uh, we've just been, and we've been able to keep up with the the growth by staffing properly, and and uh, and we've been very opportunistic. So it's worked out pretty well. Absolutely. So, um, you you mentioned that traditional agencies kind of have a gap in understanding technology, or at least um, emerging media. Um, do you do you think that gap still dis- exists today? I don't think it's quite as much as it was. It certainly was when I, I was sort of fishing around to start this company over six years ago, I think that I think at that time there was a huge gap. Um, and uh, I think at this point, a lot of those companies have uh, closed that gap, although I do think many agencies still have their core discipline around the traditional uh, media offerings. And, and, and I think that's there's a lot of uh, value to that, of course. But um, I think being social and digital native gives able to more efficiently uh, bring our uh, bring customers to our clients. Absolutely. So let's go back and focus a little bit on Jeff for a while. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today? Well, I, uh, I came to Los Angeles uh, after graduating from uh, Louisiana State University. I uh, moved out to LA in 1988 and uh, got involved with, you know, I came out to be in the music business um, and I worked, I quickly found, or in retrospect, it was quickly, but in reality, it seemed like forever. It took about six months for me to land the job that I ended up uh, keeping for about 10 years at A&M Records. 
and uh, and through that time, I became a vice president there, and really uh, had an opportunity to work with a lot of great artists, Soundgarden, Cheryl Crow, and uh, a, a myriad of others. And um, and and so, I think through that process, what I was doing was branding these artists, and 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 that that term didn't really exist in my world. Um, and I think you know a lot of the same disciplines and a lot of the same philosophy that goes on in advertising is the very is a very similar thing that you're doing when you're trying to break an artist in the record business. So you have to find that audience. You have to find a way to connect to them. What are my channels? How do I make sure that I have a unique and some and special message in that channel that really hits with uh, the consumer? And uh, so. It's, I think that's uh, it was kind of a logical sort of pathway from the music business into advertising for me. And I think there are a lot of people in space who started out in music as well. Um, from my perspective, maybe it's a combination of some of the creativity involved as well as, you know, kind of the overall, as you mentioned, the, um, you know, really you are what it is, what music, the music industry is, is a kind of marketing channel as well. That's right. And, uh, and, and, you know, it was a real challenge, I think, because, you know, I love music and, and I would always fall in love with the artists. And, and uh, I found it to be an, a unique challenge um, as I sort of got involved with a number of artists and tried to find, help them find their way. And you find out that there's all these, uh, you know, these, these, these chaotic scenarios and unknown realities that sort of impede your progress into getting where you want to go. And a lot of times that's something new, a new channel has emerged or uh, something different is happening in pop culture that, that either elevates or deflates a particular artist's point of view at a particular moment in time. So you have a very fluid environment. And I think that's also very similar in many ways to what's happening in advertising. And, and I think our particular agency is very adept at managing that fluid space. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your transition from uh, the record industry to the advertising industry. Um, what did that transition look like for you? Well, the, there was a there, uh, there was a period in between where I uh, went into technology. So I started a streaming technology company in the wake of Napster. Uh, and it left it left me uh, led me away from the music business into the technology business, and, and that was a little bit of a shock for me, as as the um, the language and the the philosophy of that business was entirely different than the music business. But it gave me a root in understanding uh, content delivery online and, and a number of other things that probably would have never been I would have never learned, um, and, and especially in the depth um, that I did. So. And I was fortunate enough to have uh, had Akamai acquire that company. Uh, I was at Akamai for a couple years, and at Akamai, they they didn't really didn't know quite what to do with me. So they they essentially said, "What would you like to do?" Uh, and I said, "I want to run an advertising agency inside of this company." And this was something that no one there really wanted to see happen. But they gave me the the freedom to sort of explore the possibility of doing that. And um, the uh, you know so as I was you know and, and Akamai has an amazing client base so as I was talking to different clients um, it became apparent that they were struggling with emerging technologies mm -hmm. and their agencies at that time were not helping them so that led me to the revelation that once I sort of left 
Akamai, the, the goal was going to be to start an, an actual agency. Um, and then, of course, the learning curve starts all over again, and all the things that you thought would have been easy proved to be incredibly difficult. And uh, and here we are, <laughs> uh, you know, finally having figured out, I hope, a lot of those 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 um, hard lessons. God, you really had me hoping. It, it sounded like it was all just going to be easy. <laughs> yeah, hardly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, what's the coolest thing you've done in your career? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, I would have to go way back to close to the beginning of my career, I think, probably to have to, to be able to reference this particular scenario. But, you know, one of the first bands that I had the pleasure of working with was a band called Soundgarden. And they were coming out of Seattle. It was a very different sound. It was a, a very different aesthetic. And in that at that time, there were very defined marketing channels for music. There was pop music, pop radio, AOR radio, which was album-oriented radio, alternative radio, and metal. And here comes these bands out of Seattle, Soundgarden being one of the first, and they defied easy categorization. So as much as so many people loved the band and went to the shows and they would sell out these small theaters, and this is like in the late 80s, 1989, uh, they wouldn't play it on their radio station because it didn't fit the format. It doesn't fit the category. Yep. Right. So we basically ran a contest. I put a contest together, you know, and I used to make this newsletter on my old Apple, my early Mac with 10 megabyte hard drive member upgrading to 20 megabyte hard drive. You know, this is, this is the early days of technology, but I made this newsletter and it was all about Soundgarden and this contest. Like, Hey, you love the band. You can't play it on your station. It defies categorization. So let's create a category. And I want to hear everyone's submission, the winning submission, which will be judged by the band and myself, you know, have essentially created a new genre of music and we'll bring you out to LA and you can hang out with the band and we'll do a show and we'll announce this new genre of music at this show at the whiskey here in los angeles so i got sent this out to over a thousand radio stations and various uh, you know sort of um, influencers in the the world of music and all of these submissions came back and of course this is pre-email so everything came back via mail so i got all kinds of wonderful gifts and all kinds of crazy packages and the band and i looked at it and we just decided on this one submission which was for the name ultra metallic grunge core we loved it so sent the newsletter back out. Hey, here's the winner. Ultra Metallic Grunge Corps is coming to L.A. This guy came out to L.A. from Kansas, which is where his radio station was located. And uh, the band uh, sort of in messing around with the idea for the couple weeks between deciding on that idea and announcing it, decided that grunge was the, dis the, the distillation operative word. Yeah, yep. of that of that. And then they suddenly said, hey, we're a grunge band. And then Nirvana picked up on that, and and the press picked up on that, and that became the name for what is now, I guess, a, a fairly well-known genre of music. So, I guess so your contest named the category. That's right, and you know, I can't take I can't take personal credit for having come up with the name, of course, because because I did not, but I created a platform that allowed for that to be figured out. It was sort of a crowdsourced Absolutely. naming uh, naming challenge. Very was, social platform. Very cool. <laughs> that's right. So we need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll, we will be getting some marketing advice from our guest, Jeff Suey. Don't go away. Cast with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. 
Brands, premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands, Twitter management app, analytics and mobile site generators. eBrands, let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero, and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited, so contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. A more refreshing kind of talk radio. Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjordCast, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjordCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and we, we are here with Jeff of marketing agency Mata. Jeff, can you give our listeners a pointer or two on how ModUp does their work so effectively? Oh, boy. So we have an office, you know, uh, in Panama City, Panama, and that that office is uh, our development shop. So we do authoring. We do development work down there, and it's a very cost-efficient office for us, and it allows us to be in, in an area where um, – price sensitivity is high, we're able to be very competitive. So that's very helpful. Um, and it allows us also, because we have different offices around the country, to actually leverage different disciplines in areas where those disciplines are prominent. So we have a Portland office, which is a very, which is our technology center. And there's a lot of great talent up there um, that, that really understands digital media, social media. And so we're able to recruit and bring in Great folks up there. Um, you know, Panama is an incredible location for us from a development perspective, given the, the skills of that population down there. We have access to clients directly out of our New York and L.A. office, of course, a lot of clients in both of those markets. And we have an office in Miami that we've that we've built SEO and social teams around. And so we've taken advantage of uh, what we've perceived to be opportunistic uh, areas of the country where different disciplines are available and where we can get access to those smart people to help build our business. Um, I think that's really been one of the keys to our success uh, is being able to, you know, really bring a lot of smarts uh, from the smart people. 
So one of the benefits of having multiple offices was access to talent, not just access to clients. That's right. Absolutely. That's fantastic. What, what's a common myth or misconception about work in your field? <laughs> I think that uh, people have watched a lot of Mad Men, and that is their reference point for the glamour, sexy time that we all obviously have here in the advertising business. And, and I think that's probably the, be- the biggest misperception uh, is that it's, it is extraordinarily uh, difficult in many ways. It's, it, it can be very rewarding, and there are certainly moments where it's, it's very, very fun. But the majority of the time is spent grinding uh, and working very difficult, long hours. A lot of weekends get compromised. A lot of evenings get compromised. Um, so I think one of the similarities between that and the music business is that they're really the, it's kind of a 24-7 business. And, so, and for certain people, that works great. Um, it works great for me for the most part. But I think for a lot of folks, that ends up uh, being one of the – one of the surprises uh, of the business is that how incredibly challenging it is from a time management perspective and energy perspective. Right, absolutely. Um, so we're recording this podcast in the afternoon, but I'm guessing you haven't had the five or six bourbons that Mad Men would make you lead you to believe <laughs> that you probably have drank today. There, there is the there is a bar in our office, of course, the requisite bar in of order course. to sort of in order to at least put the perception out there that this is that the lifestyle is is happening here. But I have to confess that it's it's not as often as I'd probably like that we get to use that bar. Right, absolutely. What's the hottest channel for advertisers to consider? Well, one of the new channels that we're acutely interested in right now is esports, and what we've discovered. And I don't think it's a it's a discovery that's that unique. I think it's it's becoming more well known, even though it's and it has been around for a bit. But I think what we're seeing is a, a, a real polarity in understanding of that of what's happening there. Um, esports is this exploding environment for a, a much younger demographic, typically male, and there's hours and hours spent on channels like Twitch and other channels uh, with folks watching. Kids, other kids, and professionals, uh, athletes, esports athletes, playing these games and these tournaments, and you know you see things, uh, and, and you see these sort of strange, you know, and I think they, they they probably look alien to a lot of people that don't understand the business. But you'll see the Staples Center here in L.A. sell out several thousand tickets in 24 hours for a tournament, and at that tournament, people go and sit in there, you know, and watch on a screen. Kids play video games, or these professional athletes play these video games. So this is uh, a marketing channel that I think is very, uh, it's, it's, it's in its nascent stage. There's, you know, there are um, Red Bulls and Coca-Colas and other companies that are figuring out and how, and finding a way to get involved by sponsoring the leagues and the teams. But there's other areas where you have the actual athletes themselves, the esports athletes. They aren't really represented by agencies yet. Uh, there's a very new uh, sort of sense that that you know, uh, similar to professional sports athletes, they're going to have agents. They're going to have. Uh, they're going to you're going to start seeing them in commercials. Um, you're going to start seeing their faces out there more. And the reason for that is they have these massive social followings as well, which they can leverage for the brand. And as we get into an era of influencers and brands and agencies starting to leverage these influencer communities, you'll see that that many of these these esports athletes are incredibly powerful marketing channels. So 
this is something that, you know, I think we're real excited about. We're really doing the diligence to try to find the best way to interface with that world and to make good with it. Recently partnered with an, with a, uh, an agency called Ape that represents esports athletes, and uh, we're finding opportunities for them out there in the space right now. Um, learning all of those lessons that you learn when something new starting, and uh, it's quite fun. But I think it's going to be a really intriguing uh, channel to get. Uh, a lot of agencies will start getting their heads around this pretty soon. Is my suspicion. Do you think that esports will have reach beyond the um, young male demographic that you outlined? That is a great question. I don't know. I think it's when I tell someone who, and, and it's and, and it's typical. It, it is one of those very polar situations where the younger people completely understand it, and the quote unquote older people think it's a joke because they just like what you're watching someone play a video game on a television screen. What are you crazy? You know, similar to probably the things that I did that my dad thought were crazy that are now commonplace, right? So I think as as platforms evolve and awareness evolves, I think you, you'll see this becoming more ubiquitous and and the greatest analog or comparison I can think of is the alternative music scene. And it's very similar. There was a time when that was sort of relegated to the ghetto of, of these college radio stations and all these bands were out there performing and people would say, are any of these bands ever going to be pop stars? And it would, and given the perception that we had at the time, you would think that that wouldn't be possible. They're, they're never going to break through. No one's ever going to break through. And then lo and behold, Nirvana comes along, has a number one record, changes the entire industry in a snap, and the guys playing in spandex are suddenly out of business, I mean, almost overnight. So I think there's a, if we find the right esports athlete that has that compelling personality, it's the, and it's the right time, they have the right sort of volume of social following, I think we might see a catalyst moment where that becomes more mainstream. But at the moment, if you look at that vision of that it seems very it seems very idiosyncratic and limited um, to that younger male audience. The way you describe it, it almost sounds like it's inevitable that it's going to happen. I, I would like to think so because I love to see disruption and the, those kind of forces that change the business and force everyone to think twice about what they thought was a given. That's, I think that's a really entertaining and exciting, uh, and advertising is right in the middle of so much of that. So it's another reason to be involved in this business. It's, it is the fun part. So I do think it, on some level that it's just going to continue to grow and become more relevant. Um, but if it penetrates through and you have a, a Tom Brady type character come out of that space that has that awareness, that that's yet to be determined, I guess. Absolutely. Jeff, I'm curious, uh, what mistakes do you see brands making when they're creating content? You know, one of the th projects that I was involved in back in 2006, 2007 was a project, uh, a launch of a product called Bud TV by Anheuser-Busch. I was the executive producer of that project. We sold that through to Anheuser-Busch and they, they bought into the idea that we would be able to reach consumers directly with content that wasn't advertising. And this was an extremely esoteric idea at the time, you know, because it, it, it this was at the very beginning of streaming being relevant. It was before YouTube had really taken off. So the idea that people would come to a channel over IP and watch a broadcast, quote unquote, from a brand that would involve non-advertising content was very hard to get their heads around. Many of the executives at Andrew Bush didn't want to invest in this, didn't like the idea. And ultimately, the idea failed because there was it was 
it was before its time, very stringent uh, uh, age verification credentials, including your driver's license was required to get into the site and all these challenges that kind of occurred, but it was a great learning lesson. And I think today, you know, it's only been seven years since that, uh, that, that was the very first IP broadcast experience. Now you're seeing it to be a much more prevalent platform. And I think, you know, having a genuine story that is not, you know, uh, advertising wrapped in the attempt at creating something genuine is really the key because people are able to sniff out something that's real, something that's, that's got an honest effort. Um, I think consistency is also part of the equation. You have to be consistent. And if you're going to, if you're going to say, Hey, we're, we're, brand X and we're going to create this program and it's going to, we're going to run 24 episodes and we're going to run once a week or twice a week or whatever that schedule is. You have to fulfill that because otherwise you end up creating more negativity than positivity by starting something and not finishing it. I think a lot of brands are still experimenting in that broadcast online space. And that's really kind of where I think a lot of the future of advertising is going is the, the ability to tell stories and not try to create a banner ad and turn that into a piece of content. Nobody really cares. Nobody's going to watch that. So uh, I think I guess that's kind of a roundabout way of answering your question. I think there has to be a genuine. Um, it has to be real and genuine and and feel and smell and taste like something you know that 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 offers real value and great storytelling. And there has to be consistency from the brand and committing to 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 their consumers and providing that once they start doing that. Exactly. That's a great point. I never really thought about what the cost of not finishing something you're promising your, your listener that you're going to start. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk about solving impossible problems and the advertising cold war. Don't go away. Fjordcast with Tim Barsness. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Looking for a white label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrand. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. Content for your ears and everything in between. Cranberry.fm. 
Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjordCast, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to FjordCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and I'm here with Jeff Sui of ModUp. Our first story today is written by Jeff. It covers the channels of communication with a customer and how brands are becoming broadcasters through. Jeff, in the article, it sounds like you are pointing out that there's a delicate balance between uh, the story and the product when you are advertising. Can you explain how you navigate this balance? There has to be some real connection between the, you know, essentially what the brand is about and the type of story that you're telling. So I think when you look at something like a Red Bull and, you, and you know, gives you wings is their uh, tagline, and then you look at their content, it feels on brand and honest and it's a lot of X games and, 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 and adrenaline-based content. Of course, they're evolving beyond that, but that's really kind of what you think of with Red Bull. And, and, they, and they've done a wonderful job with their uh, content development to make sure that it's quote unquote on brand. Um, I think what happens, you know, or, or the, the part that doesn't make sense necessarily is when, you know, you, you're the, the content is not sort of in the vein of what your brand is about. I think this, that disconnect will ultimately reveal itself to, uh, become a problem, uh, and probably not resonate with your audience. Um, we're in a very early state of brands becoming broadcasters and developing content and telling stories. So I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes that are being made. Um, it's an, it's an exciting space to be in. Um, I think you're also seeing a lot of the, the broadcasters trying to figure out how to leverage IP in a way that makes sense for them. So you see NBC creating CISO, which is a real niche comedy channel. And they're trying to figure out how to make sure that, you know, they have a lot of the answers for telling stories because that's what, that's what their business is. But now they're struggling with how to make sense of that as a business with the consumer and how to market that. So the consumer uh, being the advertiser or the end, the end consumer, sorry, the end consumer, right? Cause they yeah. want subscribers. Um, so you have this sort of convergence happening where broadcasters are becoming, uh, you know, uh, are moving towards IP and using the same channels that brands are using to tell stories and in this, and many times the same way. So it's a, it's a fascinating moment. And I think the, the key is that whatever content, whatever you're creating, whatever stories you're telling is on brand. Absolutely. Our second article today is from entrepreneur.com. Um, and it, it covers the never ending saga of users annoyance with advertising and their, uh, reliance on ad blocking software. Um, uh, Jeff, what do you feel is the, the best way to resolve the issue of ad blocking software? I think that you, you could probably replay what I just said about uh, uh, telling a great story, right? If, if you're telling a great story, people want to hear it, you know, and they'll find out about it because people will share it and say, wow, what a great story. Check it out. If you're trying to, uh, you know, if I think, you know, the, the, the era of banner advertising is obviously, you know, um, probably on the wane. I don't think it's going away anytime soon, but it's certainly not the most dynamic space. The engagement rates are not so great. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit old school. Um, I think in the way that people are perceiving their advertising, you know, how to, how to really reach a consumer. So I think, you know, we need to, you know, we need to probably be able to be more, um, authentic, you know, and the more authentic you are, the less people want to block you. And the more people want to like sort of tell, you know, share your, you know, share what you're doing with uh, other consumer candidates. 
Absolutely. That's it for today on FjordCast. Uh, you can reach Jeff on Twitter at, at @pynhead. I guess that's Pinhead. That's- <laughs> and on LinkedIn <laughs> at Jeff Suey. That's Jeff, S-U-H-Y. Thanks for being on the show today, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for joining us on FjordCast. You can download episodes of our program by going to cranberry.fm or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 